Hello, and welcome back to This Week in the Ancient Near East, the podcast that takes archaeology exactly as seriously as it deserves. I'm Alex Jaffe, and I'm director of the Bob and Ray Institute of Archaeology at the University of Southern North Dakota at Hoople. I am truly relieved to be joined by two real academics from actual institutions, Professor J.P. Dessel of the University of Tennessee and Professor Rachel Hallett of the State University of New York at Purchase. We're coming to you from high atop the waterslide, the world-renowned Jack Cousteau Ocean Engineering Facility here on the beautiful Hoople campus. Today, we are again donning our Speedos and talking about the recent discovery of a core of our and everybody's favorite volcanic rock, Obsidian, which was apparently found on the seafloor off of the beautiful island of Capri. Did this 17-pound core come from a sunken Neolithic canoe transporting obsidian around the central Mediterranean, as news accounts have breathlessly suggested, or maybe from a now-disappeared Neolithic settlement, or is it just a kind of a big shiny rock? The origins of the find are one thing. You know how the press is. But the real problem is, how did all the obsidian get around the Mediterranean and why? Because, by the way, there's lots and lots of obsidian in the central Mediterranean during the Neolithic. And what is the Mediterranean anyway? Was it really just a biggish lake where people, after about 7000 BC, were zipping around on canoes, spreading Neolithicness like domesticated plants and animals, and yes, obsidian? But it took around 3,000 years for the Neolithic way of life to spread from east to west. So what does zipping really mean, intensity-wise? And how does this compare to the much better understood seafaring millennia of the Bronze Age and later? Well, maybe zipping in the Neolithic should be awarded extra style points. Okay, take, <laughs> take two. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The listener wants to know what take one sounds like. You can send a check. We'll never know. Two. It's a secret. My, my retirement account. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'll use the same lightning round. Would you go on a cruise? And if so, to where? And I will answer first again, again. <laughs> as I didn't take one. Uh, I would go on a river cruise through Western and maybe Central Europe. And uh, I, I don't like the idea of these big, gigantic ships with all these people on it and and people get sick and so on. So at most I would do a... <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and they disappear mysteriously, right? So I'd like I, to go on norovirus lines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> here to Singapore. So I will. I, I would at most uh, do a river cruise, and also you get to see lots of different European cities on a river cruise, um, and you get to get off during the day. And I don't know, that that's ha has its appeal. I would go on a kayak cruise of the Aleutian Islands. Is, oh. is there a thing? Well, I'm sure there is. <laughs> I don't think I'm cruise worthy. <laughs> See, I would I would go on. I, I'm not I'm not really down with these gigantic Titanic <laughs> to coin a word right. cruise ships. <laughs> but um 
I don't know. It seems like you could have a certain amount of anonymity. And uh, then you just like, you go to the gym, you work out, you walk around the deck, you sit in your, in your thing and look out the porthole. And then you go to the, uh, to the chow line with your tray. <laughs> the chow line. <laughs> as long as you don't have to talk for to one, people. Please. Yeah. <laughs> but don't, don't you have to talk to people? Don't you have to sit in like an assigned seat with the same people every night? I'm I don't know. Assuming, I don't know. What are they going to do if you don't? That's a good point. Are you in the brig? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Is maybe, there no room service? I, I was about to say, yeah, maybe. Um, you can have your dinner delivered to your room. I say all this, but one time we took a ferry from um, Sardinia to Barcelona. Huh. And it was so, it was just a ferry. It was like, I don't know two nights it was so wonderful huh so but it was very you know limited it was only like maximum it might have only been one night i don't even remember but um it was so limited and there was no food or anything it was just fun to be compartmentalized <laughs> 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 well, I, I do like the idea of small spaces, um, small compact spaces. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. Well, there's nothing more tour. small and compact than a canoe. <laughs> Good <laughs> segue. With which? Yeah, yeah. Would you take a canoe between um, islands in the Mediterranean? I would take a canoe from the island of Capri to the Amalfi Coast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, my my arms hurt a little bit at the uh, at the thought. But, I, I uh, yeah, I don't think I would do that, and I'm pretty sure I would not do that in the Neolithic. Just well, saying. they might not have been doing that in the Neolithic. Right. So somebody <laughs> want to uh, someone want to open well, up? Somebody somebody was forward? doing it in the Neolithic. Well, Maybe not these guys. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to introduce the the topic du jour? Uh, sure. Well, it's a, the, we're, we're laser focused on a, on an obsidian core that comes off of the seafloor off of Capri. Um, how deep was the water? 30 meters kind of 30 deep. to 39 meters deep. That's pretty deep. <laughs> <laughs> Deeper than I'm going to go. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it caused an explosion of, of enthusiasm and, um, and space. And inevitably, it caused an eruption. We should stay oh, within the oh, volcanic. The volcanic theme. Yes, very good. <laughs> yes. Right. We'll do the volcanic shtick today. Um. Yeah. An explosion of uh, 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 an eruption of um enthusiasm about maybe there was a Neolithic shipwreck that that dropped this obsidian core on the sea floor, or maybe it kind of rolled out of a, a, a sunken Neolithic uh, uh, settlement somewhere in the vicinity, or maybe it's just kind of a, you know, shiny rock <laughs> that ended up on the, on the seafloor for completely unknown reasons. Um, <laughs> so right. there are two dimensions to this. One is, is it what's going on? And, and the second is what's up with all the obsidian zipping around the Mediterranean. Well, that's very true, regardless of the accuracy of the story or the... Uh, the accuracy of stories has never stopped us in the past. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll have you know. <laughs> right. But you, but it's 
but this one's accuracy is actually part of the story. So yeah, yeah. Um, whether it was, yes, I I think that's the most interesting thing is that there's a lot of uh, more obsidian than we thought. Big whacking cores of obsidian right. that have uh, descended to the floor of the Mediterranean. And the one that 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 everybody seems to be talking about weighs a little over seventeen pounds and is 11 by eight by six inches. And the thing is, it's been worked. Um, it's been worked. Yeah. So somebody was handling this obsidian. Um, and then here comes the, the problem, the problematic part of this whole story is there's really nothing to associate it with the Neolithic period, if I'm understanding correctly, um, except that there's a nearby Neolithic um, settlement um, on Capri. But uh, but other than that, there's no we in, in spite of all the hype, there's really nothing to say this is worked in the Neolithic period. Right. True, but um, I, I well, took... well, Rachel, you 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 both opened and closed the book on this case. I did. <laughs> right. I mean, we may as well get it out there right away. Right. I mean, they, they I guess I guess the initial deal was there was some kind of remains of some kind of old boat, possibly a canoe. Right. And it was proximate to some chunks of obsidian. <laughs> and from this, some pop, some in the popular press spun a story of a Neolithic shipwreck transporting big cores of obsidian across the Mediterranean. See, I think there's a background to this that wasn't really fully developed in the news stories, and and that is that there are actually Neolithic canoes in Italy. Yeah, from lake from lake um, uh, sites. Right, the, the site of of La Marmotta, which is like thirty kilometers northwest of Rome, is a lake, and there's you know a whole village that's underwater now underwater that rested on on piles and there are these i think four or five canoes which are like 30 feet long dugouts that were used uh like 5000 bce or thereabouts and they're zipping around so that may have been in the minds of um the uh of the folks who originally processed these stories and to be fair there is a whole yeah. lot of obsidian in the right. in the central mediterranean like yeah. a whole lot of obsidian right um i look i happen to look it up there are 15,000 uh, obsidian artifacts from the central mediterranean that have been sourced scientifically mm. by by our central mediterranean colleagues from sardinia and italy and sicily and malta and other places so they've got you know the archaeological community there has has obsidian on on their minds right. right a lot of obsidian but, but it comes from only a small-ish number of sites um i believe there's a bunch of there's a bunch of sites right sicily there's, and lapari yeah there's more sites there than there are in the near east okay which only has the two sites in anatolia right okay now i thought that melos was the the biggest well, that's in Site yeah, that's in on the Greece, other side, though, in Greece, yeah, yeah, and a couple of other sites in Greece, and I, I remember reading that you know you can source you can source it um, pretty well with neutron activation 
analysis. Um, so then, so then the whole thing is because you find it all over the place, um, it had to get from its sources uh, to these other places, um, especially mainland sites, somehow. And the somehow is by sea because they they weren't flying. Hence um, the canoes. Hence the canoes. <laughs> right. Plus, plus the archaeological evidence for a couple of canoes, as you said. So, right. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the the kind of connection. I think you were saying that you know it wasn't spelled out in the popular articles, um, but I think that's right. Yeah. So as usual, we have to do the the press's work for them. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just hope our listener is is grateful. Yeah. In this case. So in many respects, the Mediterranean really acts more like a really, really, really big lake with with all these guys. <laughs> and I mean that in the gender-free sense, all these people in canoes zipping around with cores and God knows what else. Yeah. Right. And them, animals. Right. From mainland to islands to other islands to little spits of land here and there. Yeah. Uh, and and so it wasn't, you know, it was a lot going on, a lot of a lot of movement. Right. 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 Do we do we convey that sense of movement and dynamism enough in our conception of the Mediterranean, the prehistoric Mediterranean? I always think I, I that's a really good question. That's a really good way to phrase it. I think we do, but we always do it in very, very big, systematic ways. Mm -hmm. Right. Polities sending boats you know, convoys of ships um, that are well-organized. As, we, as we've like, got a great big convoy yeah. rocking well, on well, through always, the night. I mean, When you think of Phoenicians, you don't think of a Phoenician ship. You always think of like three or four. Right. And they're coming and they're going and they're coming. Accounts right. receivable. Right. <laughs> Write this down. But, the, but like, those are big ships. Those are, right. you know, more significant. Here we have just evidence of very, very small bottom-up traders yeah, and lot, but lots and lots of movement. I mean, it takes like three thousand years for Neolithicness to go <laughs> from, you know, the Eastern Mediterranean Anatolia out to the Western Mediterranean to Spain and yeah. southern southwestern France and stuff. So that's you know that's a fair chunk of time, right? And but we have no and we have no way to measure how many canoes. <laughs> that that meant but probably quite a few of them zipping around and it's all right. about and all also about time also doing the whole thing that you know we always think of in later terms learning enough languages having some kind of um mm. uh, system of you know weights that can be used for trade or uh <laughs> peoples moving around and so that um this whole run-up to you know much better understood periods in which you know trans-mediterranean trade and exchange is very very routinized um is much earlier and more robust there's that word um than maybe maybe we're giving credit to right and all these places had people from a long time ago but there are right. new ideas and new materials moving around in specifically in canoes or maybe outriggers or kayaks can you imagine putting a 17 pound piece of obsidian into a canoe um i mean i can just see the canoe tipping and you know no uh, no if it's a well-made canoe actually i think that that's that's pretty easy 
You think? I, I, I'm yeah. more worried about putting a a 1,500-pound um, cow in, right. in a canoe or, <laughs> or a, a flock of pigs. Well, right. Okay. Not a Good. flock. They don't come in flocks? I think they come in murders. <laughs> Those are crows. Maybe they're also pigs. I don't know. I, know. I just wanted to say that. Uh, Oh, okay. Well, very good. Um, can I just break in? Because I don't think we said what obsidian is or what it is used for. Did we say that? We didn't. Okay. We didn't. So obsidian is a volcanic glass um, and it can be cut into very sharp pieces um, chipped. and chipped into very don't sharp. Don't try and cut it. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Um, and um, and yeah, so it's very sharp. So it had had has lots of use yeah, it's, yeah. it's beautiful and comes in all sorts of darkish colors um purples yeah. and browns and blacks have i have you ever seen purple no i've seen pictures yeah. of purple okay i mean sort of a deep purple <laughs> <laughs> so, they, so they would only travel when there was smoke on the water <laughs> that's right <laughs> Oh man, we're hitting all the marks today. It's, it's the holiday season. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, it, I think we've said this before in the past. Maybe our listener remembers, but it takes a certain amount of um, fortitude, intestinal, testicular, <laughs> what ovarian? I don't know. From someplace, <laughs> you're going to get on a canoe with 18 pounds of obsidian. <laughs> a, no, nope. ton cow and well, the cow part, yes. I would think that it's probably easier to transport obsidian than it is to take like a fifteen-year-old child with you who would like you know stop paddling at some point and start squirming around. I don't think transporting seventeen pounds of of anything. Rock. Yeah, I don't think that's a big deal. Okay, what I think is important and just and is distinctive about the Mediterranean, unlike you know Polynesian and the Polynesian population moving across, you know, the South Pacific in outriggers and canoes is that they could, you know, they could see land in most, at, you know, in most of their travels and they could see other islands and they knew most importantly, they knew how to get back to where they started. Mm -hmm. And, and that makes it, I think, cognitively much, a much safer and more secure and knowable kind of universe to operate in unlike the polynesians they felt confident and secure <laughs> oh boy and that's that's a really good point um although <laughs> like if you're if you're um i don't know heading in the cyclades then you know you're going to be able to know what direction the next island is in right well uh, yeah. not the first guy no, I think I think even then they could stay within sight of land long enough. But isn't to... that the big question? Is of right how how long they hugged the shore and when they just went off into the into the the right. wine dark sea, the great green, the big wild they, blue yonder. I was assuming they hugged the shore the whole time, getting from the area of Greece to the area of Italy. I was, you know, assuming that they were able to either hug hug the shore or see the next island ahead of them. Yeah, I think that they probably were able to do that long enough so that they could then take a few chances and <clears throat> go across from north to south or, you know, yeah. make it a big Well, the shore path. was also very different in those days because the sea level was 
however much 10 20 meters lower and there were no is. no stands with taff, taff, taffy and fudge and <laughs> that's right <laughs> right the, no Hot no dogs. amusement wharfs exactly uses much, points of reference it's a much more boring landscape <laughs> good points um i don't know but you know can do we have a framework for Again, it's a very long period of time that we're sort of talking about here, this whole Neolithic thing. Yeah. Do we have a, a framework to to explain that to ourselves and maybe to to a listener who may or may not be out there? It's a really long period of time. And yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of ideas, a lot of cows and obsidian move, but well, How you do you stuck on the cows? The cows only happened, uh, cows. you know, sort of towards the end. And I, well, okay. think, but, I mean, cows you know. are the biggest part of the right. And by then they probably had, you know, special cow cargo canoes. Right. Old, right. The, old, <laughs> the old 3C, you know, transport system. <laughs> it's just I mean, a really long time. It's and, true. I don't know about the beginning of the time frame, but, you know, if it's done more or less regularly then then you have um you you know there's a buyer on the other end for your obsidian and well, that's or, or you're going there and you're going to stay there and you're bringing your obsidian with you yeah it's your chunk of change it's your so. doubloons. it's the way that when things get really rough you can always say don't kill me i've got a chunk of this volcanic glass <laughs> let, let me show you some of its incredible properties <laughs> Like sharpness. <laughs> and here's a mirror. Have you ever seen yourself? <laughs> That's all true. Oh my right? God, I, I look like that. <laughs> I need to shave. Well, I happen to have a uh, a beautiful obsidian razor just for that purpose. Right. Well, right. but also how, how far were, were any of these commodities going in any one hop? Were they just going from, let's say, Sicily across to capri which is not you know no that's right a million miles um was it a series of shortish hops um or was it like okay we're going from milos all the way around the boot <laughs> and, and all the way up to capri or something and you know that's a long that's a long trip that's the long haul that's the long, the long haul canoes and the short haul canoes <laughs> yeah i don't think we're i don't think we're at a point where we can talk about that yet right um well one thing i want to talk about is how how a find that was found last month in in october 2023 how that um has sort of captivated the press and been exaggerated to to neolithic shipwreck to neolithic proportions yeah <laughs> I just think it's everyone, you know, it's that old thing in archaeology. You just want to, you know, capture capture people's imagination and run with it. Well, right. But, but this is a little bit extreme, I think. Um, well, they ran into a wall. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I guess the, I mean, we we find this like every other podcast, really, <laughs> that that there's a, you know, there really is an appetite for these things among the listener <laughs> um, for, for news, for, for whatever reason, we'd have to do a survey. So <laughs> send us an email. Um, 
but uh and then there's this inevitable distortion process that the press goes through where they try and spin things and gin things up or bring in completely ridiculous unrelated things or misunderstand this and that um and then it's uh, up to the three of us to <laughs> to, to set everyone straight that's right you keep me, down. it's our problem you make it our problem <laughs> we have to be the the you know the negative voices but i think maybe that's inevitable isn't it is it could we ever have accurate information in this world well often you know apparently not in today's world i'm sorry uh, no, no 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 i was just going to say you know often um, the press gets a hold of it after the scientific publication. In this case, the press just got a hold of it, um, which means there was some sort of press release by some archaeologist somewhere. Oh, that never happens in the in the biblical archaeology world. <laughs> That's uh, right. You know, it's uh, I think it's just the cost of doing business. And I don't think there's I think it's a little bit predictable somehow. But I don't think it's a bad thing because I think that pre that archaeology needs all the press it can get. Well, that's a good point. Good point. Yeah. There's no such thing as bad press. Right. More or less. <laughs> and if it gets more people interested, let's say in a scholarly and authoritative podcast done by dignified people of a certain age, <laughs> then all the better. Right. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot to be said for a presentation to the public, but uh, it's outwardly facing. It's outwardly facing. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Okay. Well, what else do we want to say about this before we, we have any final thoughts? No, I think, I think we've, uh, I think we've covered it in extra in excruciating detail. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to agree. Yeah. Um, All right. So final thoughts. Um, uh, don't shave with um, with obsidian because you'll probably cut yourself. You're not used to how the sharpness of it. That's true. Good point. Yeah. Um, I don't think we have any obsidian in our house. I think suddenly we need some obsidian in the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a website, Obsidian R Us. Oh, excellent. And you can just, you know, you can probably purchase that. That's 17 pound core. <laughs> right. It makes an excellent stocking stuffer at this time of year. That's right. Provided that that's not in the form of, let's say, finished, finished blades. Um, through the stocking. Yeah. I just, I, I just have a great deal of admiration for the guys and the gals who get on these canoes and just, uh, we're just going to go like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> be safe we yeah. might never see you again but uh yeah. it's all about it's all about setting up your own your own lineage i guess hmm. well that's that's good or so escaping escaping your family <laughs> right go either way really <laughs> <laughs> no i like the setting up your own lineage mom that's dad i'm taking the subsidian i'm going <laughs> it's it's not just colonizing it's it's establishing yourself in your own part of the world all right that it is all right well okay. i'm all for it then i guess <laughs> okay okay 
Well, I don't know about you, but this episode makes me want to gaze across a beautiful body of water. Say, Long Island Sound, in the direction of Oyster Bay, and Billy Joel's majestic estate, which is, by the way, for sale. But in any case, as always, we'd like to thank our music director, the artist still known as Erez Dessel, for our theme music. Look for his performances in the Chicago area and beyond. And why not follow him on Instagram at 54BPM. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, the Slate Rock and Gravel Company, a subsidiary of Yo-Yo Dine Propulsion Systems. Talk to Mr. Slate about all your rock and gravel needs. And anyway, to get in touch, leave us a comment right here, right now, or hit the little heart-shaped button, because hearts mean love. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ThisAncient and on Facebook. Contact us via email at ThisWeekInTheAncientNearEast, as you know, it's all one word, at gmail.com, or send us a postcard at P.O. Box 1177, Boston, Mass., 02134.